Hi, my name is Kevin. Welcome to our weekly Maison Mission program. This is episode number 19. Maison Mission is an inclusive faith community. The word Maison comes from a Greek word that means greater. The Maison Mission is about finding greater spaces for people to hear and experience the good news of Jesus. You can find out more about the Maison Mission by visiting MaisonMission.com or through the links in the description of this program. Good morning, Maison. Levi here, and this is week two of our series, The Other Side, The Other Side of Jesus' Life, Death, and Resurrection. And I want to start by telling you a story this morning. Many of you know that that I play a sport called disc golf and actually play competitive disc golf. And in the fall of 2012, I was playing in in a tournament just outside of Dallas, Texas, and we were playing in some crazy wind. 20 miles an hour sustained wind with gusts between 30 and 45 miles an hour. This is not ideal for throwing frisbees. I don't know if you've ever been to the beach and you're throwing a frisbee and the wind just takes it wherever it wants to go. That's basically what was happening all day long. And so there was this uh, guy in my group named Joey. And I had played other tournaments with Joey. I knew him. He was, a, he was a short, stocky guy, and he could throw the disc a country mile. And so he stepped up to the tee on the signature par 5 hole number 3 at Harry Myers Disc Golf Course. This was an 800-foot hole. Uh, it would have been a stellar accomplishment to, uh, to throw five times and get it in the basket. And so knowing that he had a huge arm... He lined up and launched his disc into the heavens and was trying to cut the corner uh, over some dense woods. And two seconds after he let go of it, everybody in the group lost sight of it. We knew that that disc was gone forever. There was no way that we were ever going to find it. And we asked him uh, to throw a provisional. And there's a rule in this sport where you can ask somebody to throw a second shot uh, so that if the first one is lost or can't be found, um, then they play that second shot with a penalty. And, And so that is how sure we were that his disc was gone forever. And it was actually save him and the group some time uh, for him not having to run back to the tee box and, and throw another drive after you know several minutes of, of looking. And so I remember we were making our way towards the basket. Several of us had already thrown two or three times at this point. And I remember seeing his disc resting perfectly about 80 feet from the basket. 800 foot hole, There's Joey's original shot, 80 feet from the basket. And I knew immediately it was his disc because Joey had this thing. He only threw yellow discs. And I remember just shaking my head thinking, this is impossible. And I knew that between rounds at lunch, nobody was going to believe this story, that Joey had a legitimate putt for an albatross or a double eagle on this par five, especially with the winds that were going that day. And so I pulled out my camera and I recorded his putt for a two on a par five that day. It's one of those events in my life that 
if I wasn't there to see it, it would be really, really hard to believe it because it was beyond being improbable. It actually seemed impossible. And so I wonder, have you ever witnessed something that you would have never believed if you hadn't been there to see it for yourself? Have you ever been a part of a situation where if you had not been there, it would have been really hard to believe somebody else telling you this story? Well, now there are cameras everywhere and there are trick shot, uh, you know, artists and, and masters that, that spend their life doing this kind of stuff. And so I think with the advent of that, well, we can see it and we can believe it. But can we believe something that we didn't see? Well, today we're going to take a look at a story in Scripture that centers around well, 11, 12 men, but really focuses in on two. Jesus and someone that we have come to know is Doubting Thomas. And I think it's just one of the most unfortunate nicknames ever given to anyone because Thomas only did what anyone else would do, whose friends were trying to convince him that a mutual friend who had died a horrible public death was now alive. It honestly may have seemed like a cruel joke or a prank being pulled by a bunch of teenagers. And that's basically what the disciples were, a bunch of late teenagers, maybe early 20s. And so in John chapter 20, beginning in verse 19, it says, On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands inside. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. So Jesus shows up, and in just a moment, we're going to see that, that Thomas was not actually there. Okay, so the story continues, and it says, Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe, or stop doubting and trust. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. I am so grateful for this part of the story. I'm so glad that it, it was included in the, the gospel account in John and that, that he didn't eliminate it because it was a bad look for one of those who was closest to Jesus. It would have been very easy to do that because it serves as a reminder that there is room for doubt. There is room for doubters in the kingdom of God. 
And I know that there are potentially a bunch of you who grew up in a faith system that discouraged questioning, that discouraged doubt, and actually answered uh, your doubts with, well, you just need to have more faith. You need to try harder. You need to surrender more. Uh, you need to pray more. You need to have more quiet times. And if that doesn't work, maybe you fast. And you you've, we're supposed to find the secret recipe that if you did enough of these things enough, that the doubts were supposed to go away. Except they didn't. <laughs> and so here we see one of the original 12 struggle with believing the resurrection was true. And the beauty of this is that nobody, nobody kicked him out. Nobody looks at him and, and gives Thomas an ultimatum. Uh, Jesus invites him uh, to see, invites him into belief, into trust. And from what I read, it certainly didn't seem like a hard sell. There was no tribal council that convened to vote Thomas off of the island. Rob Bell in his book, uh, Velvet Elvis. Now, this is an image that we are going to continually use here at Maison because I think it's such a, a good image when it comes to the building blocks uh, of faith, okay? And so he talks about two vastly different ways of, of looking at faith, of, of issues, of doctrines, of beliefs. And he, he sets two opposing views kind of uh, against each other. And the first analogy or metaphor that he uses is the springs of a trampoline. Springs are capable of, of flexing, of stretching, of creating an environment where we can attach a mat, which would be a foundation of sorts. So the springs, they aren't God, they aren't Jesus, but they are the statements and the beliefs about our faith that help give words to the depth we are experiencing in our jumping. So they aren't the point, but they help us understand the point. Okay, so here is an illustration. The Trinity. Some of us are very familiar with the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Now here's the interesting thing. Trinity is not a word that is used in Scripture, but it's something that man came up with as we began to understand God as the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. So one God in three expressions. And so this would be a spring that, that we could remove from the mat in the frame of the tramp, trampoline, and we could take it and we could flex it, we could question it, we could study it, we could doubt it, but it is attached to the foundation, which is the mat, which represents God. So we can doubt, we can question, we can wonder with this view. And so we can take it out and we can stretch it and bend it, and then we can place it back in its original spot. I, I hope that that makes sense. And it's, it's not just with the Trinity. We can do this with all kinds of things. We can, we can do this with uh, hell. What is hell? We can, we can doubt it. We can question it. And we can take it and we can put it back. Women in ministry. There's all kinds of issues that we can do this with. Well, Rob Bell contrasts the trampoline spring with something else. Bricks. And some of you grew up in an environment where doubt was discouraged. You never had anybody tell you how to overcome doubt because you didn't feel safe voicing your doubts. And so your faith was more like a structure that was built with bricks 
or if yours wasn't, the people who were in charge, it seemed like theirs was. And there's one pastor who has famously said that if you deny a literal six-day, 24-hour creation, then you are denying that Jesus died on a cross. And see, his faith is not like a trampoline. There are no springs because each doctrine or belief is a brick that stacks on top of other bricks. And if you pull one out to question it, the structure begins to crumble. And so you can see why expressing doubts or questions in a faith system symbolized by bricks and brick walls would be discouraged. The whole thing will supposedly come crashing down on itself. Rob Bell says, But if the whole faith falls apart, when we re-examine and rethink one spring, then it wasn't that strong in the first place, was it? This is because a brick is fixed in size. It can't flex. It can't change. Because if, if it does, it can't fit into the wall. And what happens then is that the wall becomes the sum total of the beliefs. And God becomes as big as the wall. But God is bigger than any religion. He's bigger than any worldview. God is even bigger than the Christian faith. Wow. <laughs> I love that image because it makes sense to me. And I remember when I first started having doubts and, and questions 15 years ago, I had a brick wall and I didn't feel like I could pull those bricks out. It just, it didn't seem possible. It didn't seem like something that I was allowed to do. I was reading a devotional this week, and it talked a lot about doubt in this story of Thomas. But one thing that this pastor said is that doubt and skepticism are not the same thing. And I love the way that he kind of delineated between the two. He says, skepticism begins with the assumption that there is no answer. Doubt is open to the possibility of something being true. And so skepticism goes just a bit farther than doubt because you're beginning with an assumption that there is no answer. There, there is no truth here to be found while doubt is open to the possibility of something being true. Now here's the deal. If you would say, yeah, I have gone through long seasons of doubt. I have had all kinds of questions. I want you to know that you're not alone. God's people have this, this nasty habit of doubting. And especially in Scripture, at the center of the doubt, really what is in question is what I call God's enoughness. Is God enough? And when we look in the Old Testament, oh man, those people just, they doubted God all the time. God would come through for them, they would stay faithful to him, and then they would come into a hard time, they would abandon God, life would get really hard, they would get captured, and then they would turn back to him. But it was, it was doubt in him being enough. And so in Jeremiah, uh, the, probably the most famous verse in the whole book of Jeremiah is found in verse 29 11. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans uh, to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. And that's like probably half of the world's life verse, right? But 
It was written to a group of people. And I don't even think it's the best verse in the whole chapter. Because after that, there's three verses that say this. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me. And I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. I love it. Because Jeremiah 29, 13, God is speaking to the nation of Israel who continues to doubt, who continues to wander off and worship other gods. He says, you're going to seek me and you're going to find me when you seek me with all your heart. They doubt that God is good enough or big enough or has provision enough. And he says, oh, no, no, you're going to seek me and you're going to find me when you seek me with everything in you, when you seek me with all your heart. There will always be doubters. There will always be doubters. I was looking back at that Facebook post this week. I went back and I found it on my timeline, October or November of 2012. And I looked at the comments and there were people that commented, even though I had a video, even though there were other people that were in the group and witnessed it, they said, there's no way that he was putting for a two. You must have missed the stroke. So these people thought I was there and I couldn't even count to three, right? Uh, and they said, I'll, I'll never believe this because it seemed impossible. Mother Teresa, when her diaries were read after her death, we came to know that she struggled with doubt for years and years and years. And what about Thomas? Old doubting Thomas. It seems that this moment of doubt came to define him for all of history, which is a shame in my opinion, because there is a pocket of Southern India that is predominantly Christian today, especially when compared to the rest of the country of India. And it is strongly believed by many that Doubting Thomas is responsible for taking the message of Jesus to India, and he ultimately died for his willingness to bear witness to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And it turns out that Doubt didn't have the final word in his story. So if you have or are struggling with doubts about God or your faith, I want you to know a few things. You are in the right spot. Maison Mission is the faith community for you because we are not going to take a vote. We are not going to throw you out. You don't have to believe like us to belong with us. Okay? This is a place where you can voice these things. You can email me. You can email Kevin Levi at MaisonMission.com or Kevin at MaisonMission.com and we would love to wrestle through some of this stuff with you. The second thing I want you to know is that you are not alone. For hundreds and even thousands of years, people have struggled in their faith. They have struggled to understand God. They have struggled to know what they believe. You are not alone. The last thing is, on the other side of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, there is room for you and your doubt in the kingdom of God. This is good news.
Let's close together in, in prayer. God, I lift up the person who is watching this program today, who, who maybe stumbled across it, who has secretly been in a season of questioning, of doubt, maybe even skepticism, uh, beginning to believe that there are no answers and that this faith system that perhaps they grew up with is, is empty for them. And Father, I pray that today they would sense some hope, <laughs> that they would come to know that even in their doubt, there's room for them in the kingdom of God. And Jesus, just like he said to Thomas, is saying, come, trust, believe. And that invitation wasn't just for him, it's for each and every one of us. And that there are others out there who are, who are struggling with the same questions, the same doubts, and you are there for each and every one of us. Father, I pray that we would be a faith community who doesn't just say that we are here for uh, the doubters and the skeptics, but that we live that out. That, that we would be willing to take the time to genuinely listen and care for those who may not believe like us. Help us to create a space where they always belong with us. We pray in the resurrected name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Just a few reminders before you go. If you're interested in learning more about the Maison Mission and how you can get involved, we're having an interest meeting on Zoom tomorrow at 7 p.m. Sign up through the link in the description. Sunday Download, back today at 4 p.m. on Zoom. This is our weekly fellowship time where we talk together about life and we go a little bit deeper into the things that we talk about in this program. If you're interested in joining us, let us know in the comments, or you can message us or send us an email at info at Our next Maison in real life gathering is next week, Sunday, May 2nd, 4 p.m. at Jonesville Park. Kids can play on the playground. We can visit and talk safely outside and distanced. Uh, and we're going to share together a time of communion. It's always really special. So bring your own food if you'd like and join us for just a great time of hanging out. We'll see you there. Maison Mission is a non-denominational church. These programs and conversations are only possible through the financial support and donations from people like you. If our program encouraged you today, consider supporting the Maison Mission with a one-time gift or on a recurring basis. You can give through MaisonMission.com and follow the link to give. You can also text the dollar amount to 84321 and follow the links to Maison Mission. We will also be displaying our giving links on a slide at the conclusion of this program. <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning in. We hope you all have a fantastic week. Thank you.